it is also the idea of I wanted to create something in which you it's an invitation to stop in this reflection about okay um the world is accelerating also the the question about technology i wanted to use uh technology and i wanted to create something that was an invitation to uh, to linger that's that's the na- that's that's the origin of the name like tectonic lingering in this episode of the creating new spaces podcast i'm talking with camille Cuxi, a chilean artist now based in london Camelia has a Master of Fine Arts in Computational Arts from Goldsmith University. We're talking about a piece called Tectonic Lingering and Microproducts of Time. This piece was long listed for the Luma Prize. My summary of the piece is it really invites people to pause in a number of different ways. During the interview, I also asked Camelia about her latest piece, Fragmented Echoes of Time, that's a generative AI piece. After the podcast is released, I'll release this segment on the Creating New Spaces Instagram account. In the days after this interview, I found myself repeatedly thinking about time and experiences of spaces and connections. Partly triggered by the way Camellia talked about pausing and feeling the tremors when the ground started to move back in Chile. Camellia, welcome to the Creating New Spaces podcast. Hello, thank you for having me. What's it like to experience tectonic lingering politics of time? Well, tectonic lingering is a sound and light interactive installation. It has two main parts. One is the uh, interactive sound interactive part, and the other one is the light LED display that is all around the room. The work itself is about combination uh, about Uh, talking about tremors and earthquakes, as I come from Chile, which is a country that has, uh, is a very like tectonic land, uh, is crossed by a a tectonic plate. So uh, it comes from that. And it's also, the project is also about a a reflection about uh, time, the concept of time, but time, how do we live time in our contemporary era, like in your contemporary days, in, in a sense of uh, acceleration, feeling always against the clock, that kind of, and how technology, uh, it seems to be like pushing that speed. Um, nowadays, for example, for example, if we think about AI um, and how it's uh, automating everything and, and making everything even, even more faster. So the work that, that topic of the of the of the piece um, makes a crossover between these thoughts and ideas and and reflections about uh, times time in our contemporary um, days and and uh, my kind of personal experience past experience living in Chile in relation to tremors and earthquakes and uh, having that in mind the installation itself it is uh, on the one part it is a light uh, LED display. The LEDs are uh, on the floor, but they are um, they are all around all around the floor, like covering uh, like a wave, um, following like a wave movement. In terms of, they are on a, a metal uh, instru- structure, so they. Um, they are surrounding the visitors. When you enter the room, it's like it's a piece that covers a whole room. When you enter the room, you have these LEDs all around you. And uh, they have a constant movement 
on is a dressable uh, LEDs, so they have a constant movement of uh, like beams of light that go, go going in different directions. And uh, however, they are connected to data of earthquakes around the world, so they are interactive to that data. And when uh, when the the system the data. Um, that 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 comes actually from the U.S. Uh, 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 geological Survey. When an earthquake is detected, it, it's an earthquake—a tremor that could be very small. Like probably m most of the of the tremors that happen, like every day, they are not. Uh, we cannot perceive them, and our human ses senses cannot perceive them. And um, so you have many of those until like bigger ones, of course. So when that happens, the whole light system stops. And everything gets like illuminated instead of this constant movement. You get like all, all stopped and all illuminated, and that uh, that um, that situation in which everything is illuminated is related to the the duration of that effect or of that. Um, all the LEDs let up is related to the magnitude of the earthquake. So you have constant activity of this is going on. All you probably, if you visit the exhibition, it might you might run into an earthquake because the earth is moving like so much all day in um, so many places around the world. So you might run into into the situation, but most of the time might be a, a very small one. So it's gonna the this stopping um, all light on is it might be a, like for a short term unless it's a bigger one and then that's that's longer. On the one hand, you have that, and on the other hand, you have a sound interactive system. The the sound comes from earth from headphones that are on the floor, and to activate the sound, there is some copper tape attached to the floor. So to interact with the piece, you need to sit down on the floor. You need to touch the copper tape that is attached to the floor. So therefore, you're, you will be touching the floor as well. And just, just while you're touching the copper tape, the sound will be triggered. Otherwise, you won't hear the sound. And the, the sound is a, is a composition and that tells stories about earthquakes and time. What I was telling you at the beginning, like stories about coming from a very checking land in this hypothetical scenario, but it's actually my, my personal experience but, uh, coming from Chile. And it explores that um, the the fact of living in in a place that is that is where um, tremors are very frequent and is almost part of your uh, kind of geological identity or uh, your body memory, like having this situation ha happening so often in your in your lifetime, and then it it moves on into a reflection about time, and that crossover actually is that. Um, I would summarize it like when I, the, the idea of this project start by living Chile. I, I'm, I'm in London now and I came to London to study uh, a, a master in computational arts. And when I arrived here, I didn't know if there were if any any tectonic movement would happen in, in this side of the world. 
and I didn't, I never Google it or anything. But then the earth was never moved. After a year, I realized that, okay, tremors do not happen here. or It's very rare if they happen. And that was very weird for me. Like, it was a, a total different experience. And uh, in this crossover of ideas, I, I was thinking how, based on my experience in Chile, when a tremor happens, you don't know if it's going to become a big earthquake or if it's going to be something just small. Most of the time it's something small. But that moment is a moment which feels like a, um, a moment in which everything stops, despite the movement, despite the shaking. Um, it feels like everything stops because if you are working, if you are eating, if you are talking with somebody, you need to stop whatever you were doing. So, so you need to come back to your body and feel your environment and touch maybe a surface, look around, hear the sounds around you, what's going on. You need to be in this alert mode of being very present in your here now. And therefore, it's like a way of... Um, even despite the, this movement, uh, nowadays this and then it comes into this kind of observation and critique of how I was feeling at the time that uh, I was not very present in my here and now at the time, like and and, and not just me, like looking that how uh, in our contemporary era we are just always thinking about the next thing or multiple task and and it's very difficult to connect even despite the technologies that we currently have it's very difficult to connect with our environments because i don't know we are in our phone looking at something else that is happening somewhere else and instead of yeah super connecting with with your your here and now and but when a tremor happens it is that kind of alert mode in which you need to be present and you need to to yeah to connect with that um with with your senses and with whatever surrounds you oh so many questions i want to ask so <laughs> just, just to be really clear and i think it's really um a nice way of thinking about peace that almost when you didn't have the tremors in your life when you moved to london you became more aware of how they changed your awareness of the world is that is that actually really, really right Yes, yes. In a in a very like unexpected way, it was like that. Like, for example, I you kind of know these things. For example, it's very common um, between uh, other people that 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 come from places like this. Like um, that, you any vibration you feel it like a, as a possible tremor is automatic. Uh, like interpretation and but sometimes it's just like a track on the street or the underground but for me it's, it's kind of it's very very common that you imagine like uh, uh, any vibration you feel that oh this this could be a, a, a tremor and I realized that by coming here um, to a, this this very dif different scenario coming to London. And actually after when I've shown this piece in Chile as well as in London, and mainly in London, I would say the experience in Chile, well, the visitors had told me like many, many different different things, many like uh, how they experienced the piece based on their own personal stories, of course. But it was interesting that here in London, 
because it's a very uh, diverse city with people from people all around the world, that the experiences are also diverse in terms of some people had had never experienced a, a, an earthquake before, for example. So this was very uh, new, uh, like, like um, I don't know, like fiction for them and others. Their earthquake experiences, is uh, had ha they had experienced it before, but in a very different way. So uh, I, for I forgot why, why I was saying this, but well, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Partly the difference in perception, and that's partly because also, I mean, I think for me, Tasmania is some, somewhere that geographically hasn't moved for a long time, uh, and then realizing, I think of the geographical, I think of the ground as being very solid, and then real this sort of realization that it's actually not that case. It's quite often constantly moving. So even when I was in. Mm. Yeah, mm. and I and I think it also can go in a very like deep philosophical way of giving the land for granted. That kind that was kind of one of my interpretations about it in terms of fragility, like uh, how we uh, humans, um, I don't know, we sometimes give mainly nowadays with uh, environmental issues. We we give nature in in our environments for granted. It actually. Um, when you know that these things happen and they happen, they happen to you and they are very often actually there, the, the earth is constantly moving. You are aware that, okay, um, we are, we are uh, like fragile, fragile beings. Like we are part of a, of a bigger ecosystem. And that was very interesting thinking, giving for granted that the 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 earth is not going to move and i don't know the reflection was also coming from there that sense of okay um connected respect that the earth may always move and it may destroy what's around me at any moment and really interesting about the piece is the floor and the fact that you actually to get people sitting on the floor to be able to engage with the copper did you did you find that people just stood, or did they really sit down to engage with it, even if they weren't using the interactive side of it? It's, it's it was actually very um, surprising that people didn't engage a lot each time that I show it. It it happens that. Um, I think because you have these LEDs surrounding you, you get curious maybe about okay, what's going on um, through the through this other part of the piece. And because you need to, something that I wanted to, like at the core of the piece, it also, it is also the idea of, I wanted to create something in which you, it's an invitation to stop in this reflection about, okay, um, the world is accelerating. Also the, the question about technology, I wanted to use uh, technology and I wanted to create something that was an invitation to uh, to linger. That's, that's, the that's, that's the origin of the name, like tectonic lingering. And so if you, you need to take the decision of, okay, I'm gonna sit down. You cannot just listen. Um, randomly and in a, in a fast way, you need to take the decision of, okay, I'm going to put these headphones on and I'm going to sit down and be part of this. And I think something that really worked, that, that surprisingly uh, 
a good surprise was that they used headphones. The first time that I showed this was in a in a group exhibition, uh, very noisy because there were other sound artists in there. So I decided, okay, I'm gonna use headphones to um, have a a, a more intimate relation with with the stories I'm, I'm telling through the sound, but also because of technical issues of sharing the space with other other artworks. And it turned out that the use of headphones made it very, very personal and very like um, immersive. And I think that was a plus in terms of um, perceiving the the experience. And and I. W- while I was there looking at people engaging with it, with it, I also saw, I don't know, if someone comes and stays and play, also kind of explores what happens when you touch and you touch with, I don't know, with all your hand or one finger and then you see all the lights moving around you and, and uh, most of the people that are at, the, at least that I saw, they stayed for a while, like listening to the whole audio, but they engaged and that was very beautiful. And I wasn't sure if, if that was going to be a thing or not. And it worked out very well. Thank you. I hadn't even realized the link between that particular question and something I'm working on at the moment where I would really like people to actually engage by sitting on the floor of a particular piece. Did you actually have instructions or did they just sort of have to um, pick up how the interaction works? Yeah, there is a, a minimum, very basic instruction that is more than an instruction, is, is an invitation. So on the floor, on the same place that you sit down, it says um, you can uh, sit down and listen, and that's all. And, and it just happened. Without going into too much detail, mm-hmm. what's the te- technology behind the piece? So on the one hand, you have the light system that uh, use a API with connected this data from real-time data that, that as I was saying, is, is coming from the um, US Geological Survey that, that has this free data that is updating uh, every one minute. So it's, it's really like up to date. And I'm using that with an Arduino Uno, uh, very, very simple. And and the sound part, I'm using as a sensor. It's just a uh, the copper tape and a, another similar microcontroller as the Arduino Uno, but in this case it's a um, I forgot the name, bare conductive board. Um, in general, it's not that complex programming, mm-hmm. not that complex. Um, devices is actually very achievable. Um, I would say that that's that's the technology behind it. Ah, and maybe uh, the f- yeah, I use MaxMSP for for the interaction uh, part at the at the really beginning of the piece, and then I I had to make it uh, simpler. So I uh, it's it's just this touch board. Uh, I think I don't remember right now, <laughs> um, but yeah. So you made it simpler, so you didn't actually need a computer involved. It was all run by the the two two different types of microprocessors. Yeah, from my perspective, it didn't need to be um, like based on the on the idea that I wanted to achieve. Uh, I I didn't want it to make it like I don't know. You don't need to make it like super 
high technology, uh, expensive, if, it's, if it can be done in a simpler way. And also I was thinking of, um, I wanted this piece to be shown in Chile. Um, I had a, 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 a commitment to, to do it already there at the Museum of Contemporary Art uh, in Santiago. And I needed to make the piece um, like uh, put everything into a suitcase and and ma make it possible to travel. Like, so I needed to have sort of simple um, devices and simple equipment to, in case that anything happens, I think, it, okay, in, in London, for example, it might be easy to get a very diverse ki kind of equipment because here is, everything is coming here, but in Chile, uh, to get um, some some sort of, of for example the the bare conductive board is not really in the market so i wanted to use an arduino uno also because of that because if something fails in the, during the trip for example of if the i don't know any problems that i may have i wanted to okay i need to find a solution with whatever i have once i'm in in, in this other place so that's kind of a technical solution but yeah and that was kind of my approach. I think one of the most powerful questions we can keep on asking mm -hmm. ourselves as artists is how, how can we make something simpler? Uh, and that is both conceptually, um, creatively, as well as technically when it comes to media work. And, and I think this is just a really nice example of that. What was the process behind the piece? You sort of talked about this tech refinement, but how did the piece sort of start? Maybe to answer that question, uh, I would like to say first that the context was me studying this this program, this uh, in computational art, um, which meant that I was surrounded by a very interesting technological, like art and technology uh, environment, um, creatives working with with very diverse um, tech as well, like. Some people using physical computing, other machine learning, others VR, like being surrounded by this stimulating creative and technological environment. But at the same time, I had this issue, was thinking a lot about what I was saying at the beginning about time, the feeling always against the clock. And I was really uh, like attached or really like stuck in that in in those uh, thoughts that um uh, and i and i started researching about it and i don't know having a lot of ideas in relation to that and in my research uh, all was going into the point of how technology is sort of causing this acceleration because we create technology um most of the time for uh, improve, improving um, things that we want to do and part of the improving is making things, making processes faster. But I was feeling overwhelmed by the fact of everything going faster. So I was in this question of technology, is this the way that it's going to be? Like, is always technology going to keep pushing us into going faster and faster. And at the end, it's going to be just um, the only the only route that we can follow. Or can we actually use 
uh, technology in a different way and with uh, allowing, for example, real connections or uh, allowing slowness. And I had that, like, as much as I was researching, I was getting a, a no to that, to that answer, to it looks like it's accelerating everything, but I was in this kind of attitude of, uh, I, don't, I don't want that. So can I, again, like, can I create a piece in which I can use technology, but, but not in a, in a way to accelerate things, but, but all the opposite. So um, that was kind of the context in... Uh, that pushed me into to start this project. Um, well, in the process itself, after after the idea came, um, yeah, I would say that um, it had a lot of uh, decisions that you make. I knew things that I wanted. I knew certain things at the really beginning, like I want this piece that is like an opportunity to just stop, but I don't know how. I I don't know how to do that. Or I want a piece in which I question technology in terms of a slowness, but I don't know how to do that. And, and I would say that um, one idea after the other was pushing me to, at the end, what I mean by this is that I didn't have a, a clear idea of how to do, how to achieve what I wanted to achieve at the really beginning. But little by little, little like taking little decisions, I end up with this whole idea of the whole process. And then the, the process was uh, pretty much technical. Once I had the, okay, this is going to be the piece. Um, it was uh, a lot about uh, solving technical issues. Uh, I had ideas, for example, that I couldn't achieve in the in the project due to technical issues. Um, yeah, uh, I don't know if I answered your question. You did answer my question really nicely. I, <laughs> and I just want to drill into one bit. How you came about answering those mm-hmm. questions and making those decisions? Did you did you draw? Did you make prototypes? Did you write? Mm. Uh, in general, I, I write, I take notes. I, um, I would say that my my creative process is very like research ba- based in which I, for example, right now I'm in my studio and is, I'm all surrounded by notes and that are that I like post-its on the wall and drawings and, and printings on the walls and th- that are kind of between um, some thoughts, ideas, but also just things that I read or that I, uh, I don't know, that that made me feel ex- inspired and I just put them everything on the wall. And then I'm, I'm just trying to maybe make the links. And I don't know, I, I'm, it's kind of like, managing anxiety in that way like I, I don't know how I'm gonna solve this puzzle of many things that are, are gonna also leave behind but I try uh, little by little um, one thing make one idea uh, I don't know makes sense with another idea and and oh that that kind of that could be something like a, a whole thing itself for example I, the idea of the LEDs for a very long time, I wanted to create a sort of a sc- undulating sculpture with LEDs. I don't know why. I just had this image in my head. And so I, I just put it on the wall and, and okay, it's there. And then 
when researching about earthquakes and looking at all the images of different um, tectonic waves, because the tectonic plates, depending on the movement and how they crash, they create different kind of waves. Um, and having this uh, sort of undulating LED structure feels, if I have it on the floor, if it's like done in a in this uh, wavy way, it feels like or it looks like uh, the possible tectonic waves that might be under the ground. And I imagined the the LEDs as the constant activity happening uh, inside the Earth. So uh, it it just clicked. It kind of oh this this makes sense. And but at the beginning I I, I just look at the things and I didn't know how to connect them. And and I I would say that's kind of a, a methodology, but not really because it's very uncertain. Um, but I like it. <laughs> So it's like almost you have these series of threads and sometimes they connect like the image of the um, LEDs oscillating, uh, but sometimes they don't. You just sort of sit there and go, okay, that that um, space or image just sort of that doesn't quite fit with anything else. Um, how do you start prototyping? Prototyping from, yeah, um, like from drawings to Working with with physical computing mainly in general with technology, but physical computing is a um, very how to describe it. Um, it's it's very difficult in terms of you can have many problems in a component that is misbehaving or maybe a cable is 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 not is, is broken or and also at the time I was really in the beginning of exploring. Um, Physical computing, not for the first time, but I was kind of still in an early stage of of uh, using these kind of um, technology devices. Uh, this this approach, um, I really like doing physical computing stuff, and but it's challenging in that way because uh, in comparison with, for example, programming for the screen, that could be more uh, controlled because there are not physical aspects in. Uh, that may alter the the results when working with um, physical computing projects. Yeah, is is for example, one of my ideas of for these projects as well. I wanted to with the copper tape. I wanted to create a a whole drawing in the floor um, with the like simulating these these undulating these, these waves. I wanted to create a like a copper uh, and drawing on the floor, and so I had some some sketches and but and then I started uh, yeah prototyping with uh, small tests. But when when going to the scale that I wanted to do it, which is a big scale, um, I couldn't do it <laughs> because the the signal was too noisy. So uh, the prototyping process, I would say, I was kind of okay from from the the theoretical idea, but when you actually apply it, and when you are you are you can apply it in a small in a small scale, and it it might work. And but with this kind of projects, um, you have to super test and iterate, and and these prototypes needs to to 
to try to to get closer to the to the final um, version to actually um, test what uh, if it's gonna work or not. So so yeah, the process of prototyping it was very challenging in that way. I think that what you just talked about with the difference of the, of the idea of this sensor will be able to work and then actually getting it there and then finding it, it's got noise in it is just a lovely example of both the challenges and possibilities of physicality as well because it sort of has, sometimes has this sort of randomness that you can't actually control and that's good but sometimes you sit there and go actually that's not at all what I wanted. I have to totally rethink. Think that's not going to yeah, work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It happens a lot of uh, when when you use sensors. It's, it's very very common um, that, for example, other thing that happened to me in re- related to this is that um, the floor might be conductive matter, like because um, I I wanted to attach the copper to the floor because I wanted to like. Uh, create an experience of touching the floor directly but in the different places that i show this piece the they had different floors or so the the sensing was different um and you have that kind of things that make it makes the it makes the piece um okay you need to be super into the uh almost like a side specific of it one last wrap-up question What's your um, greatest piece of advice to other artists working with interactivity? Oh, it's a good question. <laughs> um, maybe an advice would be, uh, yeah, to test and iterate and, yeah, and prototype and uh, maybe to be flexible. For example, for this piece, for tectonic lingering, once I got the idea that I wanted to achieve, even if I tried to attach to the main idea, this initiating idea, uh, I had to take decisions during the uh, the making that were not maybe what I imagined from the beginning. And I had to be flexible because physical computing projects, I would say what I've seen at least is that it, it asks you uh, that flexibility because things that you you imagine that we're gonna, I don't know, that the the sensor is gonna behave this way. It should behave this way, but for some reason it's not doing exactly what you want it. Or the the way that people are interactive with your uh with with whatever you created, it they are not interacting exactly the same as you thought it was gonna happen. So um and you have two options or Okay, of of just kind of denying that and just okay, I want this to be the way I want it, and and maybe you're just um, that's kind of one one approach, or another one is kind of uh, embracing what's going on in the process and, and embracing okay, uh, some things didn't work out, so um, wh- what can I do with with what didn't work out and and what works and 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 there is a process of transformation itself in. Uh, in there, so I would say that maybe a a, um, a good advice would be just not considering this, for example, as a failure. It's just part of the process, and it, and this is not even just for physical computing, but uh, many other. I don't know. Even if you are doing some other 
I don't know, maybe a sculptor and I don't, in gravity did whatever gravity like uh, is doing to your piece and it's not behaving the way you want it. Uh, yeah, we are in, in, a, in a certain way taking an approach in which we are receptive to what uh, the piece itself is, is telling us. So, or the matter of the of the thing we are creating, or what the sensor is is telling us, or what whatever you are doing is is telling you is in a certain way is kind of a communication with in between you and your piece instead of you just telling the piece, okay, you need to this needs to be this way, and this is the only way that the piece might go. Um, Maybe that, maybe that could be the advice. Yeah. Oh, look, thank you. That's a lovely wrap up. And um, it actually links to some of the other things that have been said in some of these other podcast interviews as well in, in many, many lovely, interesting ways. So thank you for a great conversation oh, today. Thank you very much. Often when I'm thinking about artists to talk about on the podcast, I see a piece and it sort of triggers my interest. I'm not always quite 100% sure about why that interest has been triggered. Almost as I'm doing the prep work, that starts to become really clear to me. As I said at the beginning, the particular interviews triggered a lot of thinking for me around time and geographical time and slowness. Actually doing a couple of pieces where the movement is very slow. The most recent pieces is literally a rock that changes slowly. In a country like Australia, we think about the stones, the ground. In a country like Australia, we think about the ground as being stable and not moving. But in places like Chile and Japan, the ground moves. This means that these cultures develop a different type of connection to nature and the world around them. It's more fluid, it's not so much accepting. A few observations for me around Camellia's process. One of my highlights was when Camellia talked about the fact that she would actually have sketches and notes up on her walls. And over time, pieces would appear by the connection sometimes between those ideas and notes. I think for anyone working with technology, the way Camellia prototyped this particular piece was interesting and useful. And she'd worked with a fairly flexible tool like Max to prototype, then to make it easier to travel, she built it with microprocessors. Steph and Camellia is both working with physical computing. Both of them sort of hinted at the idea that the electronics is actually quite easy, but it's actually the physicality quite often of the sensors and the interactions of the electronics with the world around that's more complicated. For Camellia, this was the size of the sensors, and for Steph, it was getting the object right. Thank you so much for listening to the Creating New Spaces show. If you got value from this, chances are that other people in your community will. Please share the link to the show with your colleagues and friends, or mention the show on social media.